0: Turn to somebody, high-five them, say Happy Easter and have a seat. Welcome to Waters Church, North Attleboro. We are one church in three locations. Norwood, North Attleboro, Taunton, Massachusetts. We're so glad that you came out here on Easter Sunday and if you are looking for a church to attend, I happen to favor this one. (laughs) The team did such a wonderful job opening up the atmosphere today. That was wonderful singing and, yeah. A wonderful presentation of the truth of the resurrection. I want to open up with a question this morning. And the question is simply this, what makes Christianity different? What makes Christianity different? Because I, I know we know this, it's nothing, I'm telling you this, it's shocking, there are a number of religions in the world. In fact, there's thousands of them, we don't even know how many there are. But we all know that our world is filled with religious people, not all of them are Christians, I fully understand that. But why am I a Christian, why are you a Christian, or thinking about becoming a Christian, or raised Christian? You ever, you ever ask yourself, what, what sets Christianity apart? What is the difference? And they all kind of say, if you look at the religions, they all kind of say a lot of the same things. Uh, Do good to others. Uh, Try to be a better person. Uh, There is some God out there, up there somewhere. Uh, You know, help your neighbor. Observe a religious holiday. Observe a religious day of the week, maybe. Uh, Read a holy book. They all say a lot of the same things. So what makes this faith, Christianity, Different from all these other faiths. Well, I I know the answer, and the reason I know the answer is because I never ask a question in my message that I don't already know the answer to. (laughs) This is a little point about preaching right there, okay? Here's the answer, okay? Every other religion, listen closely, every other faith or religion is founded on the teachings of its founder. Every other faith. If you are in is if you're in Islam, you are basing your hope and faith on the teachings of Muhammad. If you uh, study Eastern philosophy, they base their hope and their lives on the teachings of Confucius. If you are a Hindu, uh, it's on the teachings of the Dalai Lama. If you are a Buddhist, it's on the teachings of Buddha. If you're Jewish, it's on the teachings of Moses and the Torah and the law and the prophets. It is all about the teachings. Now, I'm going to say something about Christianity, and it's going to sound heretical to those of you who've been with it for a long time, but let me just be clear when I say that Christianity is not founded on the teachings of Jesus Christ. It's not. And I know this sounds shocking, but it's true. Because the teachings of Jesus are not the foundation for which the disciples and the apostles and Christians today died defending, gave their life proclaiming, and are being tortured and martyred for even to this day. It's not the teachings of Jesus for which they stand. The truth of Christianity is grounded and founded on an event in historical fact, it is founded on the event, and that event is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is on that event, this whole thing stands. It is all about the resurrection. We are here this morning celebrating the fact that Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And in 1 Corinthians 15, we read it, Paul says, this is the first importance. In other words, this is the big deal. This is the most important thing you got to know. Jesus died according to the scriptures. Jesus was buried. And on the third day, he rose again according to the scriptures. And later on in the chapter, Paul even goes so far as to say this in verse 17. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. In other words, it doesn't matter. Nothing that we think, believe, or do as Christians matters if Christ has not been raised. That's from the Bible. All of our deeds, all of our creeds, all of our philosophies, all the things that we are here, today doesn't matter. My job is a joke if Jesus Christ is not alive. But later on in the chapter, he says in verse 20, Christ indeed has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or, or those who have died. And so if Christ rose, good news, if you put your faith in him, you're gonna rise too. That's the truth of Easter. That's the hope of our faith. It is the event of the resurrection that the apostles could not deny. You understand that they would arrest them, right? They would do something like heal a lame man or, you know, proclaim the message. And they would arrest the apostles in the book of Acts. And they would bring them in and they would say, stop it. Okay, we can't really punish you because you're not really breaking any of our laws, but you have to stop saying that Jesus is alive. We killed him, we put him on the cross, we watched him die, we buried him, you need to stop this. All they had to do to spare their lives was say, okay, you're right, he's dead, we're all right, we're fine. Just spare our lives, just let us live in peace, we'll still talk about his teachings." They couldn't do that, do you know why? Because their integrity wouldn't allow them to. Here's why they could not deny it, they saw him. They touched him. They ate with him after he had risen. And in, in Acts chapter four, verse 20, Paul Peter says to the Sanhedrin, the relig- religious leaders, after they told him to stop telling people Jesus was alive, he said, you guys judge for yourselves what's right. Should we obey God or you? Because we can't stop talking about what we have seen and what we have heard. We saw Jesus. We touched him. We beheld his glory. And then we watched him ascend to the right-hand side of God, the Father, in the clouds. And then the angels told us that he's coming back again. You can't tell us to stop saying something that we know is true because we experienced it ourselves. He's alive. That's why I get so frustrated, and I, I really do, I get frustrated with people who say, well, it's really not about the miraculous nature of Jesus, it's really just about his teachings. And some people, maybe you're here, maybe you're one of them today, and that's what your philosophy is. I, I, I don't know if he rose from the dead, and I don't know if he's God, I don't know if he's the son of God, but you know what I try to do? I just try to live and follow Jesus' teachings. And I just wanna say something to those people, are you stinking kidding me? Have you read his teachings? You can't do them. I've read it, read read his first sermon. It's in Matthew five through seven. It's the Sermon on the Mount. You can't even do half the stuff he told you to do. He said this, he said, hey, if you wanna get to heaven, here's how you get there. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. How are we doing with that one? (laughs) Anybody there, nobody? All right, at least we're honest. A little later in the chapter, he says, "If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away." How are we doing with that one? Anybody there with a stump? Yes, that's my testimony. You know, we don't do that, do we? He says, "Look, this is how you got to follow me. You want to follow me? You got to take up your cross and follow me." Let's make that modern today. This is what he would say in this generation. He said, "If you want to follow me, strap yourself to the electric chair." If you wanna follow me, put your head in the guillotine. If you wanna follow me, get your lethal injection and take that and follow me. In another passage, he says you gotta sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. I mean, we can't, we don't follow the teachings of Jesus and and anybody who says they're trying to follow the teachings of Jesus is just being untruthful. They haven't even read the teachings of Jesus because you can't do the teachings of Jesus. See, Jesus didn't come to give us a moral code. And this is the fundamental misunderstanding of Jesus today. He didn't come to give us a couple of rules on how to get to heaven. He came to show us what the Father is like. And he came to illustrate for us just how perfect righteous, and holy God is, and to actually just declare very clearly that God's standard of righteousness is is way up here. You can't even reach it, and your standard of righteousness and your best day, when you have thought you have done the very best that you can, is way down there, and there's this huge gap between God and you, and you've got no chance at crossing that gap apart from faith in Jesus Christ, who died your death, took your punishment, and rose again on the third day. That's the truth of Jesus. See, that's what Jesus came to do, it is not about following his teachings before it's about accepting his life into your heart. Paul the Apostle says, as in Adam all die, in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, as in Adam all die, the reason why we all die is because of sin. Why, where did sin come from? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve listened to the serpent. They broke God's commandment and then all hell broke loose. Pandora's box was open. (laughs) Everything came out. Sin, animosity, shame, greed, lust, uh, evil desires, fornications, all these things just came to life through our great ancestor, Adam. And because of sin, we die. Because of sin, we are cut off from God. There's a God gap. And we have no chance, none, apart from faith in Christ to make it to heaven, to be good enough. And he says, as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. That in Christ, if you are in Christ, not not if you're trying to do good, no, 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 no. Not if you're just going to church, no, 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 no. no. That doesn't do it. Not if you're a good person, that doesn't do it. Not if you believe the right things, that doesn't do it. It's about being founded in Christ, that he is your hope, He is your Lord, He is your Savior, you have accepted Him into your life. The Bible says to all who received Him, to them He gave the power to become the children of God. Not born of natural descent, but born of the Spirit, and your spirit is made alive with Christ, and you, though your body will die, your spirit will go to heaven, and one day your body will rise to life again, just like Jesus, because He rose, we will rise. To, that's the truth of Jesus. He says, "I am the resurrection. I am it. I'm, I'm it. I'm the resurrection in the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And whoever believes in me lives, shall never die." This is our hope. This is what separates Christianity from every other philosophy and world religion out there. It's not teachings. It's an event and a promise. That by faith in Him, we have the seed of that promise in our own heart, and we can know that we know that we know that we know this life is not the end. And I, and I was thinking about it this week, and I thought about it, you know, I think about this a lot now. I think that the truth of the resurrection becomes more important the older you get. Amen, somebody. <laughs> There's one excited person back there. Um, You know, we're getting older and we're thinking about life, and nobody really likes the idea of getting older. Nobody's really excited about that, except unless you're 25 and below, then you're excited. But when you're young, you know, people telling you about the resurrection, when you're in your teens, you're like, the resurrection, what's the big deal? I got my 20s ahead of me. I got my 30s to look forward to. Then you get around to 35 and you start crossing some boundaries that you realize you can't go back. You know what I'm talking about? You cross the 30 threshold, then the 35 threshold, then the 40 threshold, 45 threshold. I'm a long way from those thresholds, hallelujah. But I'm just telling you that the more you get closer and passing those thresholds, suddenly now the resurrection becomes a very big deal. I know this because I'm 35 now and I'm starting to think, well, thank God for the resurrection. That means that it's not over for me. I got a new body and a new life to look forward to in Jesus' name. That's good news. All right? But, but, But I thought about it. It is so, so, so very good news, such very good news for us to have the hope in the resurrection because I've studied the other faiths. You think that I've just studied the Bible. I've studied them all. I've looked at them. I've explored what they got to offer. And I found out this about all those other religions. All their leaders are still dead. Muhammad, we can go to his grave. We can go visit it right now. We can go and visit the Dalai Lama right now. He's still alive, but there's a new one every generation. I mean, we can go visit Buddha's grave. We can go visit Confucius's grave, but there's no grave site dedicated to the bones of Jesus Christ, because his bones are not there. His body's not there. He's in heaven and he's alive forevermore. Yeah. That's the hope. That's what, that's what makes this whole deal so stinking awesome. Because it's going to happen to you if you have placed your faith in him. All right? And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is addressing some questions. Actually, all through Corinthians, Paul's addressing questions that the Corinthians have. And one of them is about this resurrection deal, because some of them stopped believing in this. And that's why he says, look, if you stop believing in this, your faith's futile, so forget about it. And they're asking these questions, and he he wants to address this, so he says, look, I know, some of you are asking, in verse 35, he says, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body shall they come? And then he says, you foolish person, don't you understand? What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And he says, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bear, what's the next word, but a bear kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. In other words, what goes into the ground is not what comes out of the ground, and it's like a seed. It goes into the soil, and you put it in the pot, you put the soil over it, and what you deposit in, we all know this, anybody who's done a lick of gardening, what comes out looks totally different than what goes in. And so Paul is saying, look, you can't just look at your body now and say, well, that's what I'm stuck with for all eternity. That's not the truth of scripture. That's not the truth of the resurrection. And later on, actually in another book in Philippians, Paul also wrote, he, he writes this to the Philippians in 321. He says, he, Jesus, will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. And what you're going to see is that you are going into the ground a seed. You are going into the ground not even close to what you're going to be coming out of it like. It's like seeds. You ever go to the store and pick up a package of of these seeds and and you look in the bag? And the funny thing about the seed bag is that when you open the bag and you take out the seed, um, if I can get it out, you see that the seed... Looks nothing like the picture on the bag. Because let me tell you something this is the resurrected body. This is you now. Anybody feeling blessed this morning? This is how your body's going down. This does not look impressive. I would not put these on my mantle as a decorative piece. Did you see my seats? Aren't they beautiful? No, the seed is not what you're going to be. The seed is what you are now. And like a seed, your body will one day be planted in the ground. That's why never take yourself too seriously. Never take yourself too seriously because after they put your body in the ground, they're all gonna go back to the church and eat potato salad. (laughs) Don't take yourself too seriously. There's resurrection hope in Jesus. And as you go down is not how you come out. I like this. And Paul says it's like a kernel. It's like a, like a seed. You have no idea what it's going to be, but let me tell you, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be splendid. It's going to be marvelous. it's going to be wonderful. And then he tells us four things, and I want to leave them with you on this Easter morning. Four promises of the resurrected body that we can make correlations with, with our physical body. The first one, let's read it from verse 42. Here's what he says. So it will be in the resurrection of the dead. Four things from here. And he says, the body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown, number four, a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. So if you're taking notes today, let's go through these one at a time and let's, Hold on to these. Hold on to these notes because someday, uh, a couple days from now, maybe a couple weeks from now, you're going to be depressed. You're going to be feeling down about yourself. You're going to think your life is going nowhere. You're going to want to take out these notes and remind yourself you're just getting started. You're just the seed. Someday the seed goes down, but what comes out is going to be awesome. All right, so take some notes with me. First, number one, it is sown perishable. It is raised imperishable. We are perishable products Our bodies, he's talking about. Our bodies are perishing. You you might not know this or might not be aware of this, but you are slowly decomposing right now. You are. (laughs) Medical science tells us that at age 21, at age 21, men stop growing and start ungrowing. At age 19, women, it's worse for you. You stop growing (laughs) and you start ungrowing. Happy Easter. You are a perishable product, like food in the fridge that you've left there too long. Anybody ever do that? you excited about that food in the fridge and you realize, oh my gosh, I think I left it there too long. And you go into the fridge to try to get it out and you have realized that it has cemented itself to the shelf in your fridge. You're gonna take the chisel to that thing because you left it in there too It's perishable. Your body is perishable. You are decomposing. You are going down. You are fighting a losing battle with what is inevitably going to happen to you. But Paul says, though it is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable, meaning impervious to decomposition in the resurrected body, you will stop decomposing, and I believe you will forever be growing and expanding in knowledge and understanding. Number two, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. The word dishonor in the Greek here is atima. It could also be translated disgrace. Paul says your body goes into the ground disgracefully. Disgracefully. Anybody ever just look at themselves in the mirror when you're naked and just go, let me tell you something, you get older, it gets worse. Where, where did that where did that come from? Is that a new mole? Your body gets more and more disgraceful. It's a fact. It's a fact. Look, you ever visit somebody, I want to be respectful when I say this, but listen. You ever visit somebody in the nursing home that you haven't seen for a long time? And you walk in there and you're just like, thanks, what happened? I mean, really, you ever see somebody go past their expiration date because of medical science? (laughs) Sometimes I wonder, is medical medical science a blessing or a curse because sometimes it makes us live a lot longer than we should. Because our bodies are gonna be sown disgracefully. They're gonna get worse as we grow older and there's no stopping it. Again, happy Easter. But it's it's true. This is why there is no such thing as Miss Senior America pageant. (laughs) It's why the only sport that has a senior tour is golf, because all the players are fully clothed. (laughs) Nobody wants to see a bunch of old men in tank tops and shorts running around. I mean, that's the truth. Your body is sewn disgracefully. But But Paul says, look, Paul says it's raised in glory. It's raised in glory, in other words. In other words, it's not going to be disgraceful. It's going to be something that you're going to be proud of. It's going to be something beautiful and marvelous. The word glory in the Greek is doxa. It's one of those powerful Greek words. It's an emphatic word. It means splendid. It means remarkable. It means magnificent. That's the body that you have to look forward to in the resurrection. You may not look like much right now, but just wait till the resurrection, baby. You're coming out. Amen. It's going to be good going to be good. (laughs) Thirdly, he says, it is sown. Third, in weakness, it is raised in power. The word weakness is asthenia in Greek. It means sickly, feeble. Um, Some of my earliest memories of my grandparents were just hospital room visits, just in and out of the hospital. Grammy's having open-heart surgery. Grandpa's having Bypass. Grandpa's got a tumor. Grandma's got some issues with her blood. I mean, those were my memories growing up. The the first old person that I saw in my in my life was my great-grandmother, and we used to go visit her in the hospital and she had this goita coming out of her neck. It was literally looked like a basketball protruding from her neck. And I I, I used to just go and say, Mommy, what's wrong with great Grammy? I mean it's it's The body, the body is sown sickly and the older you get, the more susceptible to sickness you become. And it's not good, it's actually kind of nasty and it's something that none of us again look forward to. I was thinking of Ronald Reagan and. And, and Ronald Reagan, here's a man who was good-looking and charming and funny and humorous and talented, and he was a sportsman and a statesman and a politician and a president. I mean, he, he, he rose to accolades and heights that very, very, very few people will ever realize in their life just to realize one of them would be an accomplishment. He, he realized a, a myriad of them, and yet in his final decade and a half of life, his body withered away and his brain slipped so so badly out of control that his wife, Nancy, had to keep him out of public view on purpose. That's what happens. We might be strong right now, but that process comes to us all. And there's no stopping it. And, and, and outside of Christ, there's no hope in it. That's why Paul says it's sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. It's the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis, D-U-N-M-A-S. It is the word for dynamite in the English. That your body is coming out. It might go in weak, it's coming out dynamic, powerful. I believe that you're gonna have talents that you you, you, you can't have this side of the resurrection when the resurrection body comes out of the ground. I believe you're gonna see things clearer than you ever saw. I think we're gonna laugh about 2020 vision when we have our resurrected body. Remember when remember 2020 vision? Yeah, that's like a seeing problem now. I believe we're gonna smell things we never smelled before, taste things that we never tasted before. That's the promise of the resurrected body, and it's only available through faith in Jesus Christ. And fourthly, and finally, and he says this, it is sown a natural body, uh, it is raised a spiritual body. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. Again, that's why he uses the illustration of a seed. It's not the same. It's not the same. You say, well, what is it gonna be like? I, I don't know. I don't know everything. I'm just kind of guessing at some of these things, but I do know that it's gonna be phenomenally better than what you have right now. It's the hope of the event of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why it is not just know your ABCs and your one, two, threes of the faith. It's not just spouting up scripture. It's not just coming to church. It's not just dressing up and coming to Easter services. It is a living abiding daily, hourly, moment by moment, hope that you have. Nobody can take it away from you. It is given to you freely by faith in Christ through the grace of an awesome and amazing, compassionate God, and you have it available to you. And you're gonna go down into the body, natural, but you're coming out supernatural. Jesus's resurrected body, after he rose, gives us some clues about what we'll be able to do with the resurrected body. Check these out. Number one, we're going to be able to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, the day after resurrection, Jesus made the disciples breakfast and ate with them. Another time, he eats with the people on the road to Emmaus. He ate food. Listen, whoever sold you on the idea that heaven is going to be sitting on clouds in Indian style with a little harp, shoot them. <laughs> it's not true, it's going to be wonderful, you're going to eat and enjoy food, and I think you're gonna enjoy it better than you've ever enjoyed it before, and then uh, he disappeared and reappeared in several places at once, that's cool, he ascended, he ascended to the right hand side of God the Father, I think that we're going to have cosmic abilities to be able to fly and soar through all the cosmos that God intended for us to explore and know, I believe that eternity will be a an eternity of exploration, of learning, of understanding. Why? We love to learn now. We love to learn new things now. Why would that stop after the resurrection? No, that's what God made you for. Do you understand He just wants to deal with the sin problem. He wants to deal with the disease problem, the sickness problem. And look, look at some of the people that you see in your world. and You say, how could God allow their bodies to be like that? That was never God's intention. And God has done everything possible to reverse that curse in every body and every soul that will accept it. Because God's intention is for you to be remarkable, beautiful, and glorious, reigning and ruling with him for all eternity. It's going to be wonderful. But listen... Last thing that you need to hear me say today, all of this means nothing to you. If you don't have the seed, you need the seed. I got a pot up here, planting pot. We're gonna, by the way, we're gonna give you all a smaller version of this when you walk out to remind you of the event. But this potted plant, this potted, uh, this clay pot up here has all the soil necessary It has everything you would need to get something wonderful out of it. I got a secret for you. Here's the secret about this pot that we've been looking at all all morning long. There's no seed in this pot. Nothing's been planted. And no matter how long this sits here, and no matter how much sun it gets, and how much rain it gets, nothing's ever coming out of this pot except weeds. Because you need the seed. This pot can go to church every Sunday for the rest of eternity, still won't grow. This pot can be a good pot, can think good pot thoughts. <laughs> it's never gonna have anything come out of it that's worth anything. And as I prayed this weekend, I realized, this week I realized that there are many here. This is you. you trying to do the good thing, the church thing, the believe in God thing, maybe even believe in Jesus. You believe that Jesus existed, but you have yet to receive the seed. James says it like this, James 1.21, he says, look, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly, somebody say Humbly. Humbly, humbly accept the word planted in you. The word is Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word is Jesus. And he comes into your heart and he gets planted there. And he stirs in you a reality that you have hope for life beyond this one. But it means nothing if you don't have the seed. How do I get the seed in me? You confess, number one, you confess that you are hopeless on your own. There's nothing good in you except for Jesus coming in, that you need the seed of Jesus, you have to confess it. Secondly, you have to receive it by faith, no mantra, no no churchianity, no no, no religious detail here, just accept him uh, individually, personally, Emotionally, whatever it needs, just make it real. It's gotta be you making a real commitment to Jesus. To as many as received him, John 1.14, to as many as received him, not to as many as went to church, not to as many as followed him, not to as many as thought he was alive, not to as many as thought he was uh, dead and, and raised again, to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. You need to receive the seed. And then you need to surrender. You need to surrender your life. Because Jesus said, if, if you try to hold on, if you try to hold on to this, if I say, oh, yeah, this is a valuable seed, God. I have a lot of seed here. You want me to plant this? And you want me to let this go? I need this. If you're, and some of you think, you're holding on to life now. You'll never go anywhere unless you let it go. And you got to live like this, open-handed. God." I'm yours. You created me. You made me. You loved me. You died for me. What do you want from me? Surrender. I want you to stand with me.